and welcome to Grain Insight, a CN update on getting your grain to market. I'm Stacey McCracken, and joining me is David Shednovic, Director of Sales and Marketing. David, today we're going to continue looking at the evolution of CN over the past 25 years by focusing on how the network and physical infrastructure itself has changed. But before we do that, can you give us an update on CN Canadian grain results for December? Thanks, Stacey. CN shipped a record 2.84 million metric tons of Canadian grain and processed grain products by a carload in December, beating the previous record of 2.59 million set back in 2018 by almost 10%. Crop year to date, total tonnage shipped stands at 14.5 million metric tons, which is close to 2 million tons ahead of previous record pace. For containerized grain shipments direct from Western Canada, CN remains on record pace, having shipped almost a half a million tons crop year to date through the end of December, with grain shipped via intermodal from eastern Canada on top of that. Interestingly, for calendar year 2020, CN All-Canada carload shipments of grain hit 32 million tonnes, which is a whopping 4.25 million tonnes, or 15% ahead of the previous record. And total Western Canadian containerized grain shipments exceeded 1.25 million tonnes, which is 25% ahead of the previous record. Demand for grain movement in December declined significantly into the back end of the month, and that happens every year. Country elevators and export terminals cease operations completely for varying periods of time over the Christmas and New Year holidays, and that takes a lot of grain shipping capacity out of the system during that time. This also results in train staging in order to suit these shutdowns. The vessel shipment program through the Port of Thunder Bay slows right down before Christmas in advance of the closure of the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway system for the winter, so Thunder Bay demand drops off considerably in the last couple of weeks of December as well. CN exceeded winter guidance for maximum sustainable supply chain capacity through December, with the exception of week 21, due to the terminal and country elevator shutdowns I mentioned previously. All right, shifting back to CN post-privatization, let's start by looking at the size and geography of the network itself back in 1995. Take it away, David. So back in 1995, the CN network was very much an east-west Canadian transcontinental network, stretching from Prince Rupert and Vancouver in the west to Halifax in the east. Between Winnipeg and Chicago, CN's route went south from Winnipeg to Duluth, with freight to Chicago being handed off to the then Wisconsin Central. At this point, the CN rail network stood at just under 18,000 route miles, with CN having begun the rationalization of its rail network transformation earlier in the 1990s, with a network at the time of roughly 19,500 miles. The goal was to develop a high-density mainline network connected to a system of feeder lines. Just pausing there. What was considered a high-density traffic area back then? Gross ton miles, or GTMs, per route mile is a good way to represent network density. GTMs are the number of short tons behind the locomotive, including cars and contents, including service equipment, multiplied by the miles of road moved from originating to destination station. The numbers get pretty big when we're talking all the shipments on the network for a given day. We are now regularly exceeding 1.4 billion GTMs per day compared to back in the mid-1990s, when CN was averaging a half a billion GTMs per day. That alone gives you a sense of how things have changed in terms of total traffic movement on the CN network. To further illustrate the amount of growth we've experienced at CN in the last 25 years, in 1995, CN considered 15 million GTMs annually per route mile on an individual stretch of the network as high density. And at that time, only 30% of the network could be characterized that way. When we look at CN's network density map today, the most dense part of the CN network is the main line from Winnipeg to Edmonton and from there down to Vancouver. That corridor is in excess of 100 million GTMs per route mile. Where CN was moving roughly 2.3 million carloads annually back in 1995, that number has grown to almost 6 million carloads in 2018 and 2019. 
incredible growth and not simply driven by acquisition. Network efficiency and capacity has increased dramatically over the past 25 years, and that has occurred in a variety of different ways. We know that network velocity and speed is a key driver of capacity along with train size. What did the weight and speed restrictions look like on the network back then? Well, at the time, 45% of mainline track speed was limited to less than 30 miles per hour. That is slow, to say the least. Since then, through investment in infrastructure and technology and with considerable safety enhancements, CN generally runs at a maximum track speed of over 60 miles per hour along the main line for most types of trains. That's a big pickup in velocity right there. Interestingly, and a lot of people don't think about this, but the gross weight restriction on the main line back then was just 263,000 pounds. It was only in 1995 that CN was able to modify its load limit policy to increase track capacity on selected branch lines and main lines in Western Canada to an upper limit of 268,000 pounds. Today, it's maximum 286,000 pounds along the main line, along with some branch lines. So for a high-capacity grain car, for example, being able to load to 286,000-pound gross weight represents an additional 8 to 10% payload per car, depending on the commodity. So no small difference. Can you provide some perspective on how train length has increased over time, along with some of the key drivers of that change? Sure thing. So a big chunk of the network at the time was single-track mainline. Sidings placed along the mainline allow trains to pass one another, with one train occupying a siding while another passes it along the mainline. Of course, the total number of sidings is critical in determining network capacity. The greater the number of sidings, the more opportunity for trains meeting along the main line to get by one another. And as the number of train meets increases, more sidings are needed as well. The length of those sidings is also a critical consideration in determining maximum train length. And a typical siding back in 1995 was five to 6,000 feet. So yes, a mile long, but that's nothing compared to today when CN is running maximum 12,000-foot trains for non-intermodal and maximum 16,000-foot intermodal trains. And we've obviously increased the number and length of our sidings in the last 25 years to allow for those long trains. Starting in 2000, investment in the construction of new long sidings, the extension of long sidings, and key sections of double track intensified as carload volumes grew. Between 2000 and 2017, around 200 of these individual investments were made, requiring hundreds of millions of dollars of capital expenditure. And, of course, the construction occurred where the growth and demand was. Heavy focus between Winnipeg and Edmonton, Edmonton-Vancouver, Edmonton-Prince Rupert, and Winnipeg-Chicago. Over that same time period, car velocity, measured in car miles per day, increased by over 50%. And train productivity, measured in GTMs per train mile, increased close to 70%. That's a good measure of how heavy a given train is. Can you discuss how CN's capital spending program has changed over time, especially in relation to network capacity expansion? Sure thing. Between 2018 and 2020, CN intensified its capital expenditure further to get ahead of a sharp and unexpected uptick in carload growth in 2017, with heavy emphasis on special projects in Western Canada. What started 2017 as a 3% anticipated carload growth, based on customer demand forecasts, turned into over 13% carload growth by year's end, with over 20% growth in the western region. Besides close to 150 miles of double tracking, CN added a number of long sidings and carried out a series of major yard expansions, including in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Melville, Saskatchewan, Edmonton and Scottford, Alberta, and Kamloops, BC. All of that work consumes a lot of capital. And remember, that's beyond the core maintenance program, which itself is very capital-intensive every year. Measured as a percent of revenue, CN's capital expenditure ranged from 15 to 18% between 2000 and 2014. 
growing to 25 to 26% in 2018 2019 when additional capital was deployed to make long term investments in increased network capacity and improve network resiliency. CN has been and remains the rail industry leader in terms of capital investment as a percentage of annual revenues, and this in an industry that is a leader amongst industries in this regard. Thanks for your time, David. In the next episode in the series, we'll take a look at advancements and investment in technology and how that has increased network capacity, fluidity, and most importantly, how it's increased safety. Thanks for listening to Grain Insights, an update from CN.